My goodness me. There we are live flying in to the new year. I got to say it's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Let's bring David Van in, beaming him in appropriately. David Van, there he is. There's David Van. He's beamed in appropriately. How about that? Most Good amazing. Evening, there you go. We brought you in now. So we're going to try for the first time to do the hard break. We're going to try to go all the way to the 30-minute mark with a hard break and a commercial there. Uh, today, we have uh, Jay Stiegel, House of Representative, District 43, in the waiting room right now. If you're with us, joining us for the first time, don't forget, uh, you are live right now with Tommy McKay, your fine host, your verbal Viking, and as always, David Van. Yes, sir. The creator and editor of Sooner Politics, expert on Oklahoma state government and professional advocate for those needing mental health care. Also, state committeeman for the Tulsa County GOP. Tonight, we are missing, unfortunately, our other cohort, David Oldham, the founder and scholar at Constitutional Grounds, because he is traveling. We're going to have a video from him later. Uh, he is traveling out to Washington, D.C. to press the point for uh, the issues uh, concerning uh, the election. He, uh, David Oldham is a political leader, educational speaker, and former state of Oklahoma elector for the United States Electoral College. So here we go once again. Um, very exciting. We have got Jay Stiegel coming up in just a minute. A video from Oldham. And of course, a couple of stories uh, coming up. Uh, Oklahoma has the fourth lowest fatality rate, yeah. which is uh, pretty good. Governor delays lawsuit over emergency restaurant closure orders. Mm -hmm. uh, as well as lawmakers convene tomorrow for the 58th state legislator. There's a possible uh, special session talks. Yeah. So I've got some things I want to say about G.T. Bynum, who was on the air uh, today. <laughs> as typical, I usually have some stuff to say about him. Uh, but uh, without further ado, I think we should go ahead and beam uh, Representative Jay Stiegel in. Uh, let's uh, just see if we can make that happen. Right now, there's been some trouble. There we go. There All we right. <laughs> it's never easy, even at the top end. Believe it or not, I will make this work. <laughs> All right. You, are you on the phone? No, here, let's, let's do this. Hey, that's really oh, good. I'm on the phone. Man. All right. How about that? Ooh, hey, that fancy good. digs, man. Where that's is this? Oh, this is at the office. So let me give you the quick tour. All right. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, That's about cozy. as big as the office is. Yeah. <laughs> now, has yours been remodeled already? It has. Yeah. We've okay. All settled in, basically. So this is as good as it gets, in other words. <laughs> so well, now, with, it is for this year. <laughs> without further ado, as we were trying to bring you in, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jay Stiegel, House of Representative, District 43. It's the first time we've met over the Zoom or anywhere, so it's, I'm glad to meet you. Tommy McKay here, your fine host, and you, of course, have spoken with David Van, our state uh, a finger on the pulse media guy. Uh, so we're glad to have you on the show and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what's going on tonight. 
Well, thanks uh, for having me on the show tonight. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, it's going to be a, a really interesting night for us. We've got a lot of material to cover, a lot of things yeah. to talk about. Uh, I grew up down close to Chickasha, uh, went to Oklahoma State, go Pokes. Uh, <laughs> Picking a uh, fight already. Uh, hey, that's right. Why not? i got to get my digs in while I can. Right, i got to start right. off real fast. <laughs> I uh, joined the military in 96, uh, spent a few years in the uh, Oklahoma Army National Guard in a small recon unit, and then went over to the Air Guard in 03. Uh, in 05, I got a commission and uh, started flying in 07. Uh, right. I recently retired two years ago now. It doesn't seem like it. Uh, as a senior pilot of uh, KC-135s out of the reserves at Tinker at the rank of major. Uh, the most interesting part about uh, me being in office, though, is how I got here. Uh, I filed for office yeah. back in 18 and then uh, uh, went on deployment. Of course, that oh. left my wife at home. Uh, knocking doors <laughs> so oh. she knocked 3200 doors oh three man. different times i know now, yeah 2018 now, door knocking champion now, is this the seat that um um that john paul jordan vacated jay uh this seat uh yeah sorry you cut out there uh yeah this seat was held by jp jordan before i got here yes yep yep are, are you a dc comics fan like he is I enjoy the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Safe answer. Safe answer. Um, I kid you not. So now, you know, uh, Jay, I've been a big fan of trying to help our veterans with PTSD. And my dad suffered PTSD. My whole childhood, my dad, the VA had him pumped full of tranquilizers, you know. And so when I saw what cannabis medicine could do for those guys, I, I went to the Capitol and I did talk to Jordan. And Jordan was very helpful. He was trying to find some way to improve the framework for this, you know, amateur written 788. And I said, okay, I said, now, uh, Jordan, how do I get my message through to the, to the legislators that there are veterans that really want this? And he said, Dave, you got to have guys up in the gallery when we vote on my bill. He says, and get them all wearing the same T-shirt. And I said, okay, what should the T-shirt look like? He says, okay, I got it. I've got the vision. He said, it's the Captain America shield. He says, and you got to have them all wear it. And I'm not kidding you, Jordan designed this T-shirt, Veterans for Cannabis Medicine. And so that's a little bit of a backstory on Jordan being the DC <laughs> Comics fan. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So anyway, so so what is the breaking news we've got tonight, Jay? Yeah, well, I hear there's legislation coming. There is, uh, David. I don't know where you want to start in the list of things that that you and I wanted to talk about tonight. But uh, if we're going to talk about uh, legislation, I'll kind of give you some insight on on a couple of things that I'm turning in, in this yeah. year. If you're ready for that, great. Okay, so. Uh, you know, we've been dealing with COVID here in the U.S. for about a year now. Yeah. And as we've seen from coast to coast, uh, we've watched executives, every, you know, everyone from uh, the governors down to, you know, mayors of certain cities <laughs> taking actions into their own hands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the question has become how constitutional is some of the action that these executives have taken? Uh, we're watching some of that unfold in court. Uh, I know yeah. Frank Urbanic has been very active here in the state of Oklahoma. Yes. There are plenty of lawsuits. 
in many other states where they've kind of targeted what seems to be some unconstitutional language that exists in state law. Mm. And basically what we're talking about here is language that has been uh, put in place by previous legislatures that basically write the governor or the executive a blank check. And the reason I call that a blank check is this. It says, or the governor or the mayor may do whatever else they deem necessary to protect public health, safety, you name it. So while that sounds really good and, you know, we, we would like to grant our executives some latitude uh, during the time of an emergency, there is absolutely no place in our laws or in our ordinances for a blank check. And here's where that comes into being unconstitutional and where it's being struck down by say the federal court in the, uh, Pennsylvania, for example, yeah, they they've been relying on some very similar language that we have here in the state that uh, allows the executive to do basically whatever they want to do during the time of an emergency. But really, what that is is the legislature delegating its duties, its responsibilities, and its authority mm-hmm. to the executive branch. Yeah. Well, we know our founders talked against this quite extensively. Uh, and we even have the term separation of powers for a reason. And it's very important for each of the branches that we have that are equal partners in our government to stay in their own lane. Mm-hmm. So I'll be turning in uh, two bills this year dealing with that. One deals with the Oklahoma Emergency Management Act uh, and okay. some of the language that uh, gives, say, the the director of uh, Oklahoma Emergency uh, Department itself uh, additional authorities at the whim of the governor uh, that needs to be cleaned up. And then the Riot Control and Prevention Act is the other one. Now, Frank could write you an essay on <laughs> the Riot Control and Prevention Act and how it's been unconstitutionally implemented, yeah. uh, not just at the state level, you know, which, uh, which is what his lawsuit is really about. Jay, let uh, me break in for just a second. We're yeah. 15 minutes in, and I got to remind our listeners, you're listening uh uh, to Jay Stiegel, uh, House of Representatives, District 43, and you're joining us on 3D Politics. Tommy McKay, your fine host with David Van from SoonerPolitics.org. Go ahead, Jay. Uh, if I could, Jay, uh, just to help break this down, because uh, you and I know what you're talking about, but to simplify this, my understanding is there's probably three pieces of state statutory law that deal with different kinds of uh, emergencies, if you will. Now, we've got the health emergency, which is what was put in place uh, properly, as I understand it, last April, right, where the legislature actually was called a special session to vote to say, okay, 30 days, governor, you got special powers, and we're going to be watching you. That's one. Then you mentioned the, uh, you know, a natural or man-made disaster. That's like, you know, the more tornado times 20 wipes out half the state. We got to have something for that. And then the third is such a state of lawlessness, a riot control sedition. Are those the three categories that you see or am I missing something? No, I think as far as, uh, you know, categorizing the three major differences here, that's a really good way to put it. Uh, I think you hit it on the head there. Okay. Uh, so okay. the first one is the, the catastrophic health emergency 
that we saw implemented, that that act was implemented first. Uh, and it did give the governor some latitude in, in uh, not only action, but administration as well. The governor got to spend some money uh, that he normally didn't have access to, and rightfully so, because we needed to get some PPE out to uh, some of our uh, frontline workers, things like that. Yeah. Uh, the, the second one that you mentioned is the uh, Oklahoma Emergency Management Act that also deals mainly with administration and giving executives or councils the ability to contract with other companies or providers, states, whatever, the, uh, hopefully deal with the situation at hand. And then the Riot Control and Prevention Act obviously is uh, is the big one that has the language that the Catastrophic Health Emergency Act expired uh, at the end of May last year. So we haven't been operating under it since then. We haven't been called to special session uh, to extend it for a second time since then, uh, nor has the Right Control and Prevention Act been invoked. Uh, so the question is, are we really under, <laughs> right, are we officially under uh, you know, one of the, the provisions of one of these acts. Sure. So uh, now when we think of the classic martial law scenario, I think we most associate with the riot control emergency kind of powers. Is, it, is that how you see it? Or? Yeah, that's exactly how we see it. And, and that was the intent of the Riot Control and Prevention Act itself. And we can just abbreviate that to save some time to the RCPA. Uh, but the RCPA was to, to deal with those uh, riots or how to prevent those in a short term. None of these acts were really designed for the long haul. You know, here we are nine months into this uh, emergency uh, situation, if you will. Uh, and we've had, on you know, uh, ongoing states of emergency as declared by the governor or by executives at yeah. municipalities or both uh, all across the state. Okay. So, uh, thanks for leading us into that. Uh, mm -hmm. The other, the other piece to this that uh, that I want to introduce in legislation is putting a time limit on how long these emergencies can be yeah. acted upon without approval for extension by the legislature. Yeah. And well, why not? Yeah. Right. Uh, emergency actions uh, by any executive are supposed to be narrow in scope, and you know we have two problems with that that we're trying to deal with in this legislation. One is to rein that in. Uh, by uh, limiting the amount of time that that thing uh, can be acted upon. And the other is by taking away that blank check. You know, yeah. that the scope of that emergency should be extremely narrow. Mm -hmm. So what I would like to see as a result is if any executive needs specific authority or needs access to, you know, special resources during particular uh, types of emergencies, then let's ask for those and let's, talk about those as a legislative branch, whether it's here at the state or at the city council meetings. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to say from ancient Rome to the Tulsa city council circa 1995, the, the abuse of the overuse of the emergency clause has yeah. been uh, a bane against citizens uh, uh, since time immemorial. The idea of a dictator in Rome was we give him ultimate power, uh, 
for six months or whatever it was. There was a, there was definitely a time limit, and and the the reason dictator took on a bad connotation was because they wouldn't give up their power after the sunset clause. This was ancient Rome in uh, circa 1995. Tulsa City Council passing the uh, uh, city municipal employees uh, retirement fund under an emergency clause, and I'm like, who has to hurry up and retire in 1995? Right, but somebody did, and. Yeah. So here we go again with uh, the concept. Uh, the problem is more than simply the overreach of government during an emergency. It's the definition of emergency. Literally, they're calling uh, this pandemic uh, an emergency, which, you know, I'm not one to discount the reality of viruses, but uh, a less than 2% if you're over 60 death rate, uh, less than 1% for those over 60, uh, the, the overreaction of the emergency is, is ridiculous. What do you say, Jay? Tom, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, how do we define this? And even in our state statute, we don't have a uh, definition provided for us for what a pandemic is. So the definition that's being utilized right now is really a natural disaster, but we only find that definition in the Riot Control and Prevention Act, which here again hasn't been invoked, and the argument is, is it even applicable to begin with? Right. But Tom, let me ask you this, you know, so here we are in these perpetual states of emergencies, but what services does government provide or have they provided uh, in the past that they've been unable to provide during these emergencies. What is uh -huh. it that has been really shut down to justify calling this an emergency? Uh, usually when we see that, the, when we see an emergency declared, say during a, a flood or a tornado where there is actual damage that's been incurred, it's the government entity itself that takes action. Uh -huh. What we've seen for the last nine months here in Oklahoma is that that action has had to be taken by the general public. Well, that the so, government the government has taken action against the general public instead of against the virus. <laughs> I mean, since they've attacked, I'll tell you what they've shut down is restaurants. They've shut down the ability to simply gather and freely associate. This is insane what they've done. They they're gone off the edge. And the thing that's more dangerous than Biden in Washington or any other elected official that you might disagree with is your citizen tyrant out there who's looking to turn in Quick Trip and somebody else for having a, a large gathering. And you'll also notice that the large gatherings that they warned us about during Thanksgiving and Christmas, oh, no, 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 we just found out today it's the small gatherings that are outside like your five-year-old's birthday party. So, and, and everybody says now the medical science has changed. No, no, no. What it means, if you've changed it to now it's no longer what you said before, that equals you were wrong. You were wrong before. Not just medical science changes, you were wrong. So, you know, the problem is we're using medical science, which admittedly by experts changes all the time, instead of using political science to, to solve political issues. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, we're one off. of the biggest. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just ranting and finally <laughs> shut up. You know, well, one of the issues that we've been dealing with ever since we've uh, encountered COVID is the constant moving of the goalposts. Right. You know, initially yeah. it was staying at home for two weeks to flatten the curve. And once, you know, we did that, uh, they moved the goalpost again. Oh, well, now we've got to implement social distancing. Now we've got to implement mask mandates at some level. 
oh, well, that isn't working anymore now. So uh, no more meeting at church, no more singing, no, you know, just pick your poison. Uh, oh, by the way, the virus doesn't come out after 11 p.m. <laughs> evidently. So uh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that very clever virus that, that somebody provided some clarification on that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, right. Jay, let uh, me I guess all, all anybody yeah. has to do to make that. Yep. Let me drill down on the concepts because I know you're still working on these the drafts for these this legislation. I think you've got till like the twentieth or so to to get your bills filed, right? Somewhere in there. Yeah, we got uh, we got more one deadline. Uh, we just had one last Thursday to submit uh, uh, the the substantive language. The so title that's the gist of the bill. Yeah. Uh, well, that was uh, two weeks even prior to that, so we're okay. we've already passed our second deadline. Uh, we can okay. make minor tweaks, and I think that is coming up here on us uh, here in a week or two. Yeah, okay. So basically, uh, the concept like we have in the health emergency of you just got to get the legislature to agree with you that it is an emergency. A governor just cannot unilaterally usurp power. I think you're wanting to apply that to the uh, emergency management and to the riot control, those other two emergencies. Is that right? That's right. And I think it's uh, a logical approach to this. Otherwise, mm -hmm. how do we get out of a state of emergency if data tells us that we're no longer really able to sustain the claim that we should be under a state of emergency? Yeah. Uh, so how, how do we get out of that? Uh, how do yeah. we rein that in? And uh, here again, putting a time limit on that also helps keep the legislature involved. It also puts the responsibility uh, back on the legislature to make sure that authority that's given to the executive to act on is narrow in scope, meets the need, and here again has that time to live. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> one of the things, and by the way, I just published uh, early this morning uh, a really good piece following up on where Oklahoma's at. One of the things I want to commend, you know, Governor Stitt said in his uh, inaugural address, he says he wants Oklahoma to be a top 10 state again. Well, one of the things we now rank the in fourth in the nation is the lowest fatality rate amongst our COVID patients. We have the one of the best recovery scenarios. And, and one of the things that we were told that kind of made it make sense, even to liberty advocates like you and I, was we only have so many ICU beds and we only have so many ventilators, so we've got to flatten the curve so that we can handle, you know, the, the demand for them. Now we're finding out those ventilators are basically all stored in, in, in warehouses and we're not using them because they're killing people. And we were better off having them in a, uh, a sealed uh, air system to where the hospital employees aren't breathing the same virus. But ventilators were one of the worst things to put people on. So now we're finding out we aren't anywhere close to maxing out on our medical facilities. And it's doubtful we ever will. But that became kind of the precipice for saying we have a right to control your behavior so we don't overrun our hospitals. What's your thought on that, Jay? Yeah, we got to be very careful during any kind of state of emergency uh, to be so willing to give up our constitutional liberties and freedoms. Yeah. And it seems to be the track record in history 
that shows us that people are more willing to give up those constitutional rights uh, during the time of emergency. However, I'd like to point back to history, uh, even during the time of uh, our Civil War, mm-hmm. uh, that the Supreme Court did not put our constitutional rights or the need to exercise those on the back burner. Yes. Uh, and our founders felt so strongly about it that they fought a war about it. Yes. So, uh, you know, our, our constitutional rights mean everything to us, and we need to do everything in our uh, power to protect those as a, as a people because that's, that's ours. Oh, yeah. wow. There uh, it is, kids. We're coming up on the half-hour break. I want to thank Jay Stiegel, House of Representative, District 43, for coming out and being on the 3D Politics Show. Jay, we appreciate you and everything you're doing out there. Will you come back and see us again sometime? Absolutely. Thanks again. Right. Excellent. Thank we you, appreciate Jay. you having out. We're going to beam you out at this point. We'll see if it works now. Right. See, if, see if we can get him out of here and... <laughs> There we go. Producer Tom. There he goes. <laughs> Pretty slow. It's just like the real ship. It's super slow. Super slow. Got to have more power, Scotty. You guys are listening to 3D Politics. Hey, I'm putting you in the waiting room. There you go. And I'm going to stop this. Hey, and I'm going to stop uh, that right here. We're going to stop the video and we're going to go to <laughs> Let's see if we can do it. You ready? Man, this is tough. Ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience, never before has a comedic event this big hit the Tulsa, Tulsa market. market. An offer so big, it can only be held at 69th and Lewis. You may have wanted to pay 60, 70, 80, 90, even $100 or more. Just for the size of the giant, obnoxious party guest joke warehouse sale. <laughs> jokes and gags for all occasions. More jokes than you can shake a rubber chicken at. We sell our jokes by the truckload. Loaded with drinking jokes. Tired of lethargic jokes. Up to our buttocks and derriere jokes. Wall-to-wall novelties and adult toys. Real savings on fake doo-doo. What's next in line at the joke warehouse? Up and coming vomit jokes. Guaranteed to gag. So come on down to the giant obnoxious party as joke warehouse sale. We're not kidding. We sell jokes. (laughs) That was horrible. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm sorry to have it happen, but we tried it. We tried it. It was tough. 3D politics. Let's bring him back in. Thank God he wasn't here when it happened. Tom, the best thing about that break is it will get better. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I don't think I ever stopped the recording like I was supposed to. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. Oh, man, a half hour goes by so fast, Tom. I'm just clicking away over here. <laughs> no idea. I'm going to have to have some help. No doubt about it. So... <laughs> All right. 
So there we are. We brought Jay Stiegel in. That was fantastic. Way to land that one. And uh, at least we've got some common sense going on with a guy who is writing uh, uh, some uh, legislation that's going to limit some of this stuff. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he little tidbit. Clearly get it. Yeah. By the way, you know, he mentioned Frank Urbanic. Those yeah. guys are buddies. Let me tell you. Good. I sense a lot of Frank Urbanic's input in what Stiegel said. I mean, Stiegel's a brilliant guy, and he understands it. He is well-founded in the principles of liberty. Right. Uh, but I'm telling you, you get him with Urbanic together, those two guys can restore a lot of liberty between the courts and the legislature. Right. Well, I mean, at some point, things that are proper, if you start to agree uh, in areas, sometimes it's because, uh, you know, not because you're com comrades, but because you're coming up with the same conclusion. Yeah. You know, so. uh, one other thing I want to say, uh, Governor Stitt has some very stalwart, loyal allies in the legislature. And Jay Stiegel is one of them. Those guys have had breakfast together. They've had plenty of time to talk. So this is not a pick on the governor thing with Stiegel. This is let's help the governor, you know, have a better framework to understand where, how the system's supposed right. to work. Uh, actually, after having uh, Representative Stiegel on, I can now see more uh, clearly why there could be some potential legitimate confusion on the governor's part of which act to operate under because um, uh, I can't explain it like uh, uh, yeah. Stiegel did, but uh, he was saying that, that he, because of the wording, you would pick one or the other. Yeah. Now, um, Tom, it's been a couple weeks since we got together on 3D Politics Live, and a lot yeah. has happened. 3D Politics has officially declared our Citizen of the Year last year. And... Right. That is Frank Urbanic. And nice. uh, so, yeah, and Stiegel's just a big fan of what Urbanic's doing. Now, uh, Urbanic got his, uh, what do you call it, an injunction, a stay on the restaurant emergency order. So the governor was told, hey, you got to back off of this until the court can establish what's uh, defensible, what's enforceable. Right. They were supposed to meet on the 30th, that is, last Thursday. And they decided on Wednesday, hey, you know what, let's give it a couple more weeks. And then you know what happened uh, this week on, what was it, on Friday, Governor Stitt replaces his top legal counsel for the governor's office. Are the two related? I don't know. <laughs> Tune we're in. Gonna, <laughs> we're going to find out here because this Friday in Oklahoma City at District Court, the governor and his people are going to have to argue why it is that they get to do, especially ABLE Commission, the Liquor Oversight Agency, is just writing up all these citations with no legal, foundational, statutory or emergency basis for doing so. Right. So so that's a little bit of the background on that. And uh, so, yeah, Stiegel's, Stiegel's getting some permanent solutions to some very immediate problems. Well, and he mentioned, you know, people are more likely to give up their uh, civil and constitutional rights during an emergency. It's literally more logical to give up those rights during that time. And this is why I brought up the meaning of the word emergency, if it's an emergency. 
I mean, yes. if I if I tell you the sky is falling, you know, and let me, you know, you give me total control or it's going to get dark tonight and then it gets dark tonight and you say it didn't work. I said, well, you didn't give me enough control. See? Oh, no, Tom. <laughs> you say it would have been even worse if you hadn't given oh, me control. It would have been darker. Yeah. Me and Van are in control. Been even darker. Yeah, worse. Yeah. It would have lasted longer too. The only reason the sun came up, yes, because I was. You know, that's how it works. Yeah. So I'm telling you, it's it's a real problem here. And it, here's the other thing. I was talking to my doctor. Uh, went in for my checkup last month. And we got to talking about you know all the COVID stuff. And I said, you know, I said. Where's somebody to stand up for superstition? Because the beautiful thing about superstition is it never changes. Science is changing all the time. Right. (laughs) That's right. A little salt over the shoulder and we're done. Hey, let's roll that Oldham thing as soon as you get a chance. You betcha. I tell you, okay. Guys, uh, Oldham, who's normally part of the show, is uh, actually going to be uh, on the road tonight. And he filed this report. Let's roll. Here we go. Uh oh, we need we need you got to also click share sound. Try it again. It's very difficult to do what we do. Don't try this. Hear it, Tom? You hear it, Tom? No. Okay. Just a moment, and I'm. Hold tight while we get your order. If you'll just pull through into the parking lot number one, we'll bring it out to you when it's ready. Okay, so share sound. Tell me where to find that. There's a little bottom uh, left when you're sharing. It'll say share sound for computer or optimize for sound. Okay, I will stop that. So when you go to share, ah, I see it. There it is. I see it. Guys, we're going to real quick share this. I'll start over the thing. Here's David Oldham. Oldham on the road. Yep. Hey everyone, this is David Oldham, Constitutional Grounds, uh, coming to you from uh, what could be the, the COVID chase car, but right now is the safe and free elections car um, on the way to Washington, D.C. I wish I could be with everybody on 3D Politics tonight, but um, as we're driving and it's going to get dark and we're not going to have a good cell signal. I will not be able to participate, but look forward to catching you all next week. We'll fill you in on everything that's going on. Um, look to my personal profile Listen. and constitutional grounds for updates, updates. Um, all day Wednesday, all day Wednesday. Uh, during the anywhere from 14 to 28 hours of a debate um, over the upcoming uh, or potentially 14 to 28 hours debate. Um, coming up over the seven uh, disputed states. So I look forward to seeing you guys. Enjoy tonight. Uh, Got a great lineup. Uh, Wish I could be there because I want to be in on these conversations. You guys have a good night. Oh, there it is. David Oldham out on the road. So 3D Politics uh, functioning in all ways, shapes, and forms across the nation with Oldham out there in the shuttlecraft. Uh, headed uh, to take care of business. Nice job, Oldham. Yeah, and uh, I want to reiterate, he's saying Oldham will be providing to all of us on his Facebook page updates from the mall at the U.S. Capitol. I'm telling you, folks, it's going to be a zoo. I don't know what your uh, 
what your Wednesday is like. I don't know what's on your schedule, but I'm telling you, you want to be near whatever your media source is, because this is something we haven't seen in 200 and some years. Well, we may the, never see again. Yeah, it's the uh, the first uh, Wednesday after the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. It's huge. Oh, there you go. Explain <laughs> Jupiter. Which is something. Oh, it's a big giant conjunction. Yeah. <laughs> big thing. Well, see, you know, you always blame the bigger guy because if you take him to court, he's got bigger pockets. You can well, see. that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. I that's finally how got it. in. Now, this is this is one to talk about later. But I finally did uh, watch some of the Elon Musk interviews, and uh, he's one interesting character. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have yeah. to talk about him. So, do you want to bring? You had some great stats, and Oklahoma has a fourth lowest. You want to talk about that some more? Or did you hit that as hard as you wanted? Yeah, it's fantastic. I tell you, we've uh, – here's the deal, you know, guys. I'm going to set this up. I want to share the page with you just so you can see uh, what it is. Oklahoma has got some great numbers, but our health department doesn't want to talk about them. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, so here, I'm going to share this uh, with you right now. This is – Right here, Oklahoma ranks fourth best in COVID recoveries. Folks, right now, there's only 20, now 2,500 people have died that officially had a COVID positive confirmed um, you know, test. Right. But 80% of them were over the age of 65, 80%. So if you're under age 65, your chances of this killing you is so slim. I mean, it's way below my understanding of what your annual flu dangers have been for the last couple of decades. And the snapshot well, the number, is here. The number for over 60, uh, if you're over 60, it's 0.01. It's less than 1%. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then if you look at since July, the last half of last year, it's down to even less than that. So we spiked. We were up around 6% in April. I said but that. Went, it's if you're under 60. Under 60. Yeah, under 60. Less than 1%. Yeah, yeah. My mistake. Okay. So let's look at this data snapshot. Yeah, we're fourth lowest in fatality rate amongst patients. We are 11th lowest in the fatality impact on our general population. This is amongst the 50 states. Okay. And then we are. Now, here's the other thing. We're the 15th highest saturation. So it's not because COVID hasn't hit yet, because COVID's hit Oklahoma more than the average state. Okay. Okay. So it's, you know, we are handling this and hats off to the following. Who gets credit? Some are going to praise the medical professionals for their innovations and in, in handling this and getting us this accomplishment. Okay. And that's legit. Some are going to praise the government policies and mandates because there's always people that think government's the solution to everything. Right, and then right. some are going to praise the maturity, wisdom, and responsibility of the citizens. Do we deserve any credit as a people for taking care of our own health? Doggone right, we do. And then some are going to praise God for his divine protection. And I'm one of those who believes ultimately you got to put your faith in a higher power after you've done what you can you got to leave the results to God. So those are the things I wanted to say about it. Um, and But we're finding out that the early conventional wisdom 
has proven all wrong when they said, no, masks don't help you, and then said, oh yeah, by the way, you do need masks now, now that we've stockpiled enough for us. You know, And where they said, oh, we need more ventilators, now they're saying, my God, the last thing you wanna do is put somebody on a ventilator. You know, And we're finding out so many things. Oh, by the way, the health department, I, and I reported this a few weeks ago, where they had decided in their weekly uh, reviews of the numbers, they found out that the communities with the mask mandate actually had a higher spike of COVID spread than communities that didn't have a mask mandate. So you know what they did? They quit doing the weekly reviews. <laughs> you know, yeah, so I'm telling you, the health department, Stiegel and I talked about this. I, I don't want to speak for him. I want to let him in. But I think he would agree. I've got a point here that agencies can get drunk on power and they don't want to give up the power and the control and the prestige and the prominence. Well, that every hey, you guys are still listening to 3D Politics. Tommy McKay, your fine host, and David Van. That's right, David Van, creator and editor of SoonerPolitics.org, expert on Oklahoma State government, professional advocate for mental health care, state committeeman for Tulsa County GOP. Find him at SoonerPolitics.org. And I am, of course, your fine host, Tommy McKay, your verbal Viking. Catch me at Tommy McKay on Facebook and on Twitter. And, of course, David Oldham, out there, founder and cons, uh, uh, and scholar at constitutionalgrounds.com. Find him out there in the COVID chase car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, David, uh, one of the things that uh, I've noticed about um, uh, the, the, the illustrious mayor is that he says he's going to do everything he can, uh, you know, to, to contain this virus. But he's also said he's doing everything Dr. Dart tells him to. So what is he really doing? And why in the hell do we need a mayor if Dr. Dart's going to do it? Yeah. But anyway, that's I've got well, I got some sound bites from oh. GP Bynum coming up. But this is what you're saying is they, they they the good news they spin it towards their control. What I was going to say is they don't only just get drunk on their control and power. They are such elitists living in an echo chamber. They think they're doing the martyrs good. They think they're doing what's right. They think yeah. they're saving my life. They literally think they're saving me. Okay. Yeah. And this is where it comes down to when do I get to assess my own risk? I will assess my risk. It, it, the minute you start saving my life, now you're in between me and the fruits of my labor. That's how you calculate wages is what is the risk? And so I don't need GT Bynum or Dr. Dart or anybody else telling me how risky it is out there. Especially when you flip-flop in between master good, master bad. Outdoor, yes. Outdoor, no. Inside, yes. Inside, no. Uh, breast milk, good. Breast milk, bad. Medical science flip-flops regularly. That's why we've got to use political science to decide political issues. Uh, what about, go ahead. Well, let me say this, Tom. The nature of science is it's supposed to be questioned. It is supposed to be continually challenged. That's how we innovate. That's how we get better science is we question the, 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 the norms. We question the established belief system. There is no consensus in science. Right. 
Yeah. But when you got people telling us, how dare you question our scientific experts? You know, don't you dare. I mean, they are, they are like the folks who said, how dare you say the earth isn't flat? The Bible says there's four corners, so it has to be flat. Well, that's right. You know, and you know, Tom, you've got what C.S. Lewis used to call the moral busybodies. And he says they're worse than the tyrant because they're affirmed by their own conscience that they are saving you from yourself. Right. And, and I'm telling you, we have got to get away from the people who think that it's their job to protect our health. It's Tom, it is their job to protect our liberties. We protect our own health. Yeah, this is something that gets back. I mean, maybe a year ago I was arguing or making, trying to make the case to people I respect that run for county offices in Oklahoma. It is definitely worthy of arguing your point on Facebook and social media to those that you know can't understand. The argument was, well, there's no reason to argue people can't get it. Yeah, yeah, there's a reason, all right. Continue to say what's true all the time and repeat it. Otherwise, the stupid dipstick voices overtake the echo chamber. If you don't continue to push back against the, the Peggy tyrant on the Tulsa World Opinion page and the other Joe idiot on the Tulsa World Opinion page, if you don't argue with these citizen tyrants in their medium, they will continue to just ring the bell. Okay, and the, the other thing I don't understand is why do we pay towards all this socialized medicine? We're all going to pitch in for the big hospital, and we're all going to use our tax dollars to pitch in because government's the only people that can handle it when we get a pandemic. But when we get a pandemic, government doesn't handle anything. They immediately ration. They put us into a class group's stratus, who's important, who's not important, and then they ration. Even G.T. Bynum's playing the game once again today. When we get to my sound bites, uh, he's pretending we ran out of beds. But then he says, really, the problem is personnel. Because we never ran out of beds. We only ran out of personnel. And that's yeah. not a virus problem. That's a bad management problem. If, if government is only going to ration the hospital when things get bad, we don't need government. We uh, uh, Private co corporations could ration the hospital just as well or better than government could ration the hospitals. What the hell do we need government to ration the hospitals for? Yeah. yeah. And I, I want to say, do that. yeah, the professional whiners, the teachers union, uh, they screamed and yelled that they should be higher than, than level three in priority of who gets the, the, the vaccines. And they said, we aren't going back until we're all vaccinated. We're not going to teach your kids. We're not going to do this, that. Tom, the clerk down at Walmart who takes care of, you know, helping the elderly buy their groceries, that person is more important to be vaccinated than the teacher teaching our children at school. Period. Again, this is, a, if for me personally, no offense, David Van, if you fall into that argument, you're literally, I mean, this is the caste system. We're, we're arguing about who's more important in society. This is, this is ludicrous. This is how we tear each other down. It is not, there is no more essential anybody than anybody else. Until well, it, government starts labeling and rationing. Well, and that's the problem. Whenever you got the government in control of any commodity, 
and there's more demand for it than supply and the government says okay we're going to prioritize and they always prioritize themselves first if you notice aoc who what just turned 30 years old just got her vaccine but yet my mother who's 84 is still waiting for hers and who was it dancing in times square shut yeah. down times square so i mean what, you, what we know is the rich and the powerful always get to do what they want Anyway, this is why Peggy from the Tulsa World Opinion page is so dangerous, is she wants to shut it down for everybody, pretending like the, the rich and the powerful are also going to comply. Morons, yeah. right and left, sheep. Yeah, Tom, I, I, really, I'll just be real quick with this, but I want to share it with you. Uh, this is what C.S. Lewis had to say. Uh, it's such a good quote. He said, of all the tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It may be better to live under a robber baron than under the omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. I just think that's an excellent way of putting it by the great CS. Well, that's no no kidding. That's that's right. And and in, they they do it not only out of their own conscience, but it's it's progressive in its nature. So that yeah. you it ne there's a never-ending adjustment. It's it's like the 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 classic story of the nagging wife. There's there's never a way that she's happy. It's never it's never right. So first it's like, oh, you got to wear a mask. So you wear the mask. Oh, no, not that mask. Okay, so then you just, oh, you're wearing it wrong. You know, so so it's a progress. Yeah. The, the, the progressive politics is, is like the pedophile that grooms uh, their victim. It's a continual grooming for more and more control of their life. What do you got? Right. But, Tom, the number one moral busybodies who fit this description are the public health officials of our state, of our municipalities, and of our nation. Dr. Dart authorized by G.T. Bynum stepping out of the way to let an unelected bureaucrat tell us whether we're going to have Thanksgiving or not. It's yeah. absolutely. And then G.T. Bynum today continues to act like he's taking credit for doing something to contain the virus when he's already admitted he doesn't do anything. He yeah. does what Dr. Dart tells him to do. Yeah. Dr. Tom, Dart's running the freaking city. It's ridiculous. Yeah. When you're the chief executive of a municipality, a county, or state, or federal, you never cede over final decision to people who just live in their own little, you know, isolated world of their own little pandemic. I'll use an example. A friend of mine had his father-in-law near death in the hospital. He has a heart condition. He has diabetes. So you know what they did? In They brought in a diabetes specialist, gave him some medicine, and he almost died of a heart attack from that. So then they brought in a heart specialist. He switches the medication, and now the guy's diabetes is through the roof. And you know what? Neither of those two specialists should have been controlling his health. It should have been his primary care doctor saying, okay, I'll listen to both of you, but ultimately I'm deciding. That is what your mayor, your governor are. They're the one that are supposed to be making the final decision. Right. And why? Because Donald Trump said the cure 
can never be more painful, more damaging than that which you're trying to prevent. I mean, if if being a doctor was so damned important to running the city and the country and the world, why in the hell didn't we always uh, elect uh, doctors? Why why is it we just now figured that out that Dr. Dart is the best politician in the world because he knows how to lock you down? Yeah, yeah. In, in fact, a, a couple of people were uh, running for state senate office. I won't mention it, but... I was, I'll tell you now, I was in a meeting. This is a very, you know, central committee of the Tulsa Republican Party. And we're talking about, have we got candidates on some of these races? We had more than one. And, you know, a certain person's name came up. He said, well, they're a doctor. Well, there's other candidates in it. And, but somebody said, but that's a doctor. And my friend, Amanda Teagarden said it as good as anyone said, historically, Doctors have made horrible legislators because they're the moral busybodies. They think they know better than us, and they think that the government should have the right to mandate our personal health decisions over to them. And they don't even have to be a busybody. If they're an expert in medical science, then their position will flip-flop according to Ah. changes in medical science. Because medical science, according to all medical professionals, will say medical science changes all the time. Which is why we're suffering today is because we're using medical science to create political decisions. We're screwed. We're back and forth and back and forth. And the, the, the rich and powerful will have their parties without their masks on anywhere they want anytime they want but peggy from the tulsa world opinion will tell me i'm killing people if i go to quick trip it's yeah. insane what they're doing out there yeah now tom uh, yeah i i don't want to uh ignore somebody else's to blame here and that's corporate media they become the lap dogs for these scare tactics because i tell you it helps ratings when people are fearful they keep tuning into the news they don't turn it off and it's I always think good it's for fight me. bonus. I think it's fight bonus. I think people at Channel 8, Channel 6, Channel 2, and the Frontier, I think they get paid fight bonus for, for pushing out tripe and fear monitoring. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, this is a real problem here because here's me, a guy who works a day job to make a living, and then I'm running Sooner Politics, and I'm trying to get all these other bloggers and get their, their stuff noticed, but I'm also writing my stuff. Last night, I'm up till midnight scouring data that's freely available, but there's information in there that's not getting out. Why? Because it mitigates the dangers. And you know what? They don't want to mitigate the dangers. They want to focus on, oh, but this new strain's coming out, or oh, this other thing. Which is yeah, this was the point I made a year ago when I said, do you think this is the last virus they're going to control you over? Oh, as God. soon as this one's done, they're going to have virus 2021. They're going to come up and, oh, well, we got the new strain. And I'm like, ooh, who's surprised? Ooh. Yeah. Nobody's and surprised. D- yeah. And don't forget, this was a laboratory-created virus at the the Wuhan laboratory. Well, you're a conspiracy theorist. You know what? I am calling them out on this. There's no way this came from some bat soup at a wet market in downtown Wuhan. I will say this. I mean, when you start talking about people trying to take over the world, they'll come out of the woodwork to call you a conspiratorial theorist. But if you'll just do a quick cursory search of 
Just look look up world domination, and you'll get the top ten list from Alexander the Great is basic where, where it starts. Hitler was our most modern example. But there's a list of people in between all the way to pinky in the brain. The idea of people, entities, bureaucracies, governments, and theorists trying to take over the world is not a conspiracy theory. You're still listening. To 3D Politics, your fine host, your verbal Viking and perspicuitous pirate of conversation, Tommy McKay, right here with David Van, creator and editor of Sooner Politics. It's the online newspaper committed to informing and mobilizing Oklahoma's expanding spectrum of conservative political voices. Wow, that's a mouthful. I wrote that. That's pretty good, too. (laughs) I said it well, too. Yeah, you, Alex, smooth. Better than anyone. State committeeman also for the Tulsa County GOP, David Van. Uh, We're also going to, I've still got sound bites coming up from um, uh, GT Bynum. We still have three stories to get to from you, or two at least. And uh, uh, I want to thank Oldham for being out there. And uh, really, he's on the front line tonight just doing it. So uh, we'll hold down the fort here while he's out there. Uh, uh, slinging hash uh, for liberty. Uh, government delays lawsuit over emergency restaurant closure. Do we do that one yet? Um, why don't we? Uh, let's get to your stuff, and then we'll we'll get back to this because I got two reports I want to finish the night with. Well, you get me started. It's going to be bad. So uh, Bynum, uh, the illustrious Mayor Bynum, was on um, uh, KRMG this morning. I think very illustrious. And- and uh, and so I, I want yeah I think it was KMG, no no it was uh, KFAQ I think it was um, it was Casey Bartholomew was uh, interviewing Bynum, and uh, so Bynum is talking about a number of things. He says his number one thing is to contain the virus. That's his when he's getting into 2021 and what Bynum's going to do. His number one thing is to contain the virus and the impact of the virus, which I've already ranted. Uh, he, he he has already said. We've done everything that the Tulsa Health Department has asked us to do. So then, really, you're not doing anything. The Tulsa Health Department is doing everything. So you're not making any legitimate decisions except for rubber stamping whatever uh, Dr. Dart says. Then he moves on to the sound bites that I want to talk about. Police Department. Now, folks... Uh, here's what he says about the independent report from five years ago. Yeah, we had an independent expert come in uh, about now about five years ago and tell us that we needed to be staffed at, at a level of 950 patrol officers. And at that time, we were at about 740. Yeah. And uh, by the time I became mayor, we were in the 730s. So you know what we're talking about now? We're talking about number of officers and five years ago, which was what? 2016, right before he became mayor. But what happened right before he became mayor was the Vision 2025 package. Remember the Vision package that him and his uncle Dewey Bartlett Jr. pushed? Could you hear that uh, clip, by the way? Yes. Okay. So there he is talking about the number of officers and that some... Notice how uh, the GT Bynum, an independent expert, nobody we know or... But an independent, some some magic eight ball person came along and said, wow, you guys need a number. 
And now, now he's acting like that's the number we need. We got to get to that number because we're now that's the number we want because some independent expert arbitrarily said some number. Uh, so now, understand that Proposition One five years ago. This is what he was talking about five years ago. We were at some number that the independent expert said. So he pushed that same line when he was advocating for Vision 2025 Proposition 1 that totals $272 million. Now, I've been trying to warn people since then. There's a 62.5% increase in Tulsa sales tax starting this summer. Okay, It's been in the works for yeah. five years. Now, right now, G.T. Bynum is on the air today pretending like this never, I mean, he's not a, addressing the fact that these budgeting issues came into play five years ago. He's pretending like him and the city council have come together to budget for the for the police department. But Proposition 1 has the police department. This is five years ago, okay? Proposition one had it that the police department would get $202 million and the fire department would get $70 million. And those taxes are going to kick in with no phasing period coming up uh, 7-1-2021. So July 1st, here, here they come. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, here come your 62.5% sales tax increase for Proposition one. Now, Proposition one was the proposition of vision 2025 that plowed through the Brownian or the Brown ordinance. Do, do you remember what the, uh, the Brown ordinance was? Never heard of that before. I'm surprised you. So, uh, uh, Bartlett and his family sidekick, Little Baines Bynum, conspired to mm -hmm. squeeze almost entirely all the temporary from the third penny life form. Bynum plunged through the Brown Ordinance like Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon. Both had admitted. So, when uh, Bynum crashed the Brown Ordinance, what the Brown Ordinance said was the third penny sales tax. That's the penny we're using mm -hmm. to pay for these extended things. The Brown Ordinance said... We cannot use the third penny sales tax for general fund items yeah. like police and fire. Right. So Proposition 1 of the Vision 2025 uh, Proposition 1 of the Vision 2025 proposal blasted through the Brown Ordinance. Yeah. There's a Brown Ordinance that said you can't spend that money on what government is supposed to already spend the money on. Yeah. The general fund like police and fire. Because nobody's going to argue you don't need police and fire. Of course you do. But the concept of the third penny was let's spend a penny on things that aren't general fund. And that was the Brown Ordinance. Well, G.T. Bynum plowed through that, okay, mm -hmm. like Julius Caesar did the Rubicon. Yep. Five years ago, it was already decided by G.T. Bynum, who promoted it for a year, that we would spend money on Proposition 1, Vision 2025, for police, department, and fire money. Now, listen to him talk. The council and I have funded that record level of staffing to try and move forward. Of course, you lose about 40 or 50 a year to, to normal retirement nutrition. Yeah. Uh, but as of today, we're at about 840. And so we still have uh, quite a ways to go to be where we want to be. Okay, the juice of that one was where he says, me and the city council have funded. Okay, uh -huh. you're, 
he's he's talking about he says we are maxing out how many recruits we can have in the police department that's three uh, sessions of 30 each that's 90 per year but we lose if we find out 40 to 50 a year Mm -hmm. so when he talks about adding 90 he leaves out that we lose 50 later he brings it up uh, but if he never correlates the two, he always right. acts like he's getting 90 every year when really he's getting half of that because right. later he admits. Let's see what this uh, this next one in uh, is. I think you have a council and definitely a mayor who are committed to getting where we need to be from a staffing standpoint when it comes to our police department. I've- so here he is saying that the city council and the and the mayor – are where they need to be about, you know, we're going to fund it. They already decided Proposition 1 is funding it from five years ago. Your taxes in Tulsa, sales tax go up July 1st, 2021, this year, 62.5% in Tulsa sales tax exploding with no phase-in period because five years ago, G.T. Bynum was promoting, pushing, and advertising to push this thing to pay for police in violation of the Brown Ordinance. Now he's acting like we just got together to finance this thing. Okay, now here's my uh, second point, or maybe that was my sixth point. Uh, he, one of the things I, I, I'm not bringing out in a soundbite is he talks about the police departments on real high alert right now because of the COVID-19 has got everybody shut down and child abuse and domestic violence is up. It's funny though, cause when he talks about himself, he never talks about himself as the people that are stuck in the cycle of violence. He only talks about people that are other than him that commit child abuse and domestic violence, right? It's only other people that the cops deal with, not him. Um, Also, he talks later in his little thing about trying to recruit business and expand businesses here. He wants to his uh, his third thing. So the three things Bynum's doing containing the virus, which is bull crap. Police department staffing, which is bull crap. And then three, recruit businesses to come to Tulsa and expand businesses here. My first question would be, why do you say it in that order? Why, oh. why don't you expand businesses here first? And then maybe that would help recruit some businesses here. And Tom, okay. I don't want businesses here that require special favors and special incentives from government in order to compete in what should be an open market. <laughs> and, and I don't want somebody coming here only because they got a special deal that's going to sunset in five years and then they'll go take a deal from somebody in, in Nevada to move there in right. five years. I'd rather reward the people who have for generations on end been part of Oklahoma and helping develop Oklahoma. How about them? Bynum continues to work on a 15-year plan for a Tulsa that's meant to be eventually, but never mows the lawn for me and turns on the lights for my wife. It's ridiculous. Okay, so here's another soundbite, and he's talking about the police department. Now we're talking about... uh, the police department, and I got a question about how does diversity fall into place with law and order? And also wanting to make sure that uh, that we're building a, a diverse department. 
that you know the fastest growing community in the city of Tulsa is the Hispanic community. You know, we want to make sure that we have uh, a growing number of Hispanic officers within our department. So I got a question. Do the Hispanic people view law and order differently than anybody else? So that the point that is like, we've got to make sure to get some of them on the on the force to make sure that those people who think about law and order so differently are there. What about uh, people who are criminal minded? Do we need to get some of those on the force, too? I mean, yeah. how open are we going to be? What? Why in the hell does diversity play a point? In, in law and order, what is so different from any group to the next when it comes to enforcing law? Right. Well, that's not even what he means, Tom, right? Yeah. Isn't that how they play that? Yeah. But, I mean, this is this is continued. So uh, that's the diversity. Let's see. It's another balanced. Oh, I got to get. I, here's what I wish. Tell, I wish Oldham was here. Tell me about this one. This is the municipal theory that Tulsa operates on a balanced budget. Now, when I ran for mayor 2016 what i heard was that tulsa runs everything through a trust so they don't have to so they can pretend to run a balance so here's what mayor bynum says today on kfaq we have a balanced budget every year you know this isn't like the the federal government where we get to borrow money or print currency we have a balanced budget every year you know this isn't like the the federal government where we get to borrow money or (laughs) we have a balanced budget that is so much crap that is technically accurate probably right yeah the trusts it's like the trusts what they've been doing also for decades is they pay these promotional fees for services to the Chamber of Commerce for all the things the Chamber of Commerce does to promote Tulsa. But you know what happens then? Chamber of Commerce then turns around and spends the money on our mayor and our state uh, in our city uh, councilors for all these junkets they get to do so that the guys like Bynum can say, oh, this isn't taxpayer expense. The chamber's paying for this. It's like Biden who says, I never took any money from outside a country. Well, he got it from his son. That's how. right. Notice right. also in this interview that uh, that he did today on KFAQ. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, let's see. He different. So so Bynum. Uh, he, Bynum. I'm sorry. Yeah. Bynum. He when he talks about the school districts yeah he defers to the school districts because he says you know uh the school districts are the really the ones that are in the fight they're on the front lines they know whether teachers should get back in so so when it comes to regulations restrictions and controlling people's behavior he likes to defer to the school districts that that's good but he doesn't just defer to the local communities and the state entities. He likes yeah. to say that the governor stitch should come down harder and these other yeah. cities, oh, they're bad. It's amazing how Bynum loves to reap the benefit of being uh, one of two of the largest cities in Oklahoma yeah. until the health crisis comes and then he needs to restrict everybody from coming to his town and then he's like, hey, the problem we have in Tulsa hospitals is everybody from not Tulsa. Yeah. I mean, this is this is insane. Dis- disparaging all the counties or all the communities around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know the disparity, Tom. Let me. Have you got another point on that? 
I just, I, I continue to go and go. He bashes the people of Tulsa. Yeah. He continues to take up both sides of it. He says, we're doing the right thing in Tulsa. It's everybody else in the other communities who are filling up our hospitals. But then he says, oh, uh, but even in Tulsa, the people, I see it every day. You go into places and they're not. So he says, he bashes everybody, but then pretend he bashes everybody all of his citizens in his municipality, but then pretends that they're doing the right thing also. Tom, all four corners of his mouth. They aren't his hospitals. They aren't the city of Tulsa's hospitals. They're all privately owned corporate or publicly traded, but they're private sector hospitals. Not one of them is a state hospital. Now you might say the OSU regional, you might make an argument that that's state, but the city of Tulsa doesn't have a stinking hospital. You know, the fact is, we we encourage those hospitals to grow in Tulsa. You take this cancer treatment center. Yeah, yeah, it's in Tulsa, but it's really close to Broken Arrow. And by God, if Broken Arrow had courted them to build out there, the city of Tulsa would say, oh, no, 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 come, we'll, we'll give you a special tax break if you build in Tulsa. Right. So don't give us this crap about it's our hospitals, Mayor. He, he longs to benefit from it until there's an emergency, and then he wants to shut everybody out of it, yeah. and, and, including members of his own community. Sure. sure. This guy is a tyrant uh, deluxe. He he says that he, he brags that Tulsa has the most restrictions of yeah. any any city, you know, well, congratulations, you freaking tyrant. And, and, uh, he pretends that he's running it when really it's the Tulsa Health Department that runs it. And and then when it gets him, he, he, he telegraphs his mentality. The mask order is, is asked on the interview. So that when does the mask order expire? Oh, it expires in February. But Bynum goes on to say, oh, yeah, he, he wants it extended. He expects it to be extended. So yeah. what about the science? Don't you want to get to February and figure out the science? No, hell no. He wants to already extend it. See, yeah. he's not going by data like he says he's going by data. He already knows prejudging in February, he wants to extend the mask mandate. Yeah. He's not waiting for the data. He wants to control now. Yeah. And by the way, I'd like to segue into minority relations here because there's another story coming up. I haven't told you about it, but it's kind of breaking today, and I'll have more on it next week. All right, do it. All right. So I'm taking care of a client uh, today doing some work at their home, and they mentioned a friend of theirs who's in his mid-40s, as I understand it that he wanted the flu vaccine really bad. He did not want to wait until his turn came up being only 47 years old. Couldn't find any place where he could get, uh, the, not the flu, the, the COVID-19 vaccine right. is what I should say. So he calls around, ends up, there's a place up in Miami, Oklahoma. Now I've got to research this a little bit more. But the federal government also gives a special amount of a lot of stuff to Indian health. Yeah. And that, not just the five civilized tribes, as we call them. But you go up to Miami, Oklahoma, there's more than a dozen federally recognized tribes. So what do you know? This guy finds out. He drives up to Miami, Oklahoma, Ottawa County. And tomorrow he's going to get a flu, uh, the virus, uh, the COVID virus vaccine tomorrow. Okay. And they're like, when is it my turn? Because I got him by, you know, probably 14, 15 years. So, 
Now, should if a minority is harder hit with this vaccine, should our government make a special effort to make resources more available to that targeted minority? Tom, I ask you, would it make sense? Could you use a question in a sentence? <laughs> well, I'm saying if a particular virus that's deadly happens to hit, let's say, uh, people of African descent, should we make resources more available to people by that ethnic? It's kind of a loaded question. You are listening to David Van, editor of Sooner Politics. You're stalling. I'm, I'm just <laughs> obeying the intercom whistle to reset every 15 minutes. By golly, 3D politics every Monday night, 7 p.m. ish, and you never know what's going to happen because we just yeah. try everything all the time. But we're cruising at high altitude and warp speed. Tommy McKay, your fine host here, your verbal Viking with David Van, uh, a state committeeman for Tulsa County GOP. So your question was, should we? I, I have to swallow a huge pill, you know. To, 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 the premise is so skewed, but but I mean. If there's a need that government is in charge of, I mean, you know, then yes, there should be right. some effort made towards, yeah. okay. You got to target your resources to the area most impacted, That's right? correct. Government okay. can only ration. Yes. Okay. So I got some statistics for you. And these are Oklahoma statistics. Okay. And this, again, if you sh uh, go to SoonerPolitics.org, it's my headline story. I wrote it last night and finished up this morning. Okay. White, I'll call it European descent, uh, Oklahomans make up about 62% of the population of Oklahoma. Okay. But for COVID patients, they are an inordinately higher amount of the victims of COVID. All right. So where are the resources going to the people hardest hit? Does it only work when it's a protected minority and it doesn't go ever go the other way around when you're white? I'll throw you another one. Men make up 49% of our population, but of the COVID fatalities, they are 30% higher than women. Should men be given an extra amount of resources publicly because we're targeted? And now you understand why I'm throwing out the conspiracy theory about this Asian virus from Wuhan, China, <laughs> that just so happens to hit white men, more than black folks, more than Indians, more than what we call Native American Indian tribes. More than Indians? You're trying to outdo me, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to say it's, I'm just... you know, this is hitting white men. This is a boutique virus designed in a laboratory. And it just so happens that the Chinese have gotten over it. They just had a big party in downtown Wuhan and there was no masks, no mandates, no restrictions. And yet we're locked down. Why? Because it's hitting European whites more than anyone else. Well, I think where it's hitting them is in their mind of the sheep. And that is that we, we continue to pretend that the virus is shutting us down. It's, it's, it's Mayor Bynum and Dr. Dart and Peggy from the Tulsa World. Well, yeah. Opinion. And all those, those are, are valid people. points. Those I'm are, just making yeah, those a are the separate, people shutting us down. Yeah, I'm just making a, a separate point here 
on, you know, this virus is coming after guys like you and me, Tom, more than anyone else. It just is. And the elderly. No, there's no doubt. The elderly are the ones getting 80% of the fatalities in Oklahoma. So so I can so anybody could agree or disagree to somewhere on the spectrum of what Van just said. And so so yeah. it really doesn't matter to me whether it's 100% manufactured and a total conspiracy or zero uh, manufactured and accidentally oh my god. What I know is that I should be free as an American citizen to calculate and assess my own yeah. personal risk. Not me wears a mask to make sure grandma is safe. If grandma needs to be safe, grandma needs to shut her in place. Yes. And run away. Absolutely. Tom, okay. the, the, the Swedish model ends up, yeah, there are some great Swedish models, but that's besides <laughs> the point. <laughs> Who's a comedian now? Yeah, no. <laughs> so anyway, um, the Swedish public policy, which was we're going to protect the elderly and the sickly, and the rest of you just go about it. It's not going to be that big a deal. You know, you got a lot bigger dangers just dealing with car accidents, you know. So that's how they've handled it. And they've come out way better. Half the fatalities of just over the across the, the, the bay into uh, into United Kingdom, England, Great Britain. You know, so the shutdown is making things worse. I think that the data is overwhelming to show that you let the people take responsibility for themselves be respectful and we're going to get over this quicker we're going to get it over it safer we're going to get over it more uh, probably less financially strained see I, i'm not even arguing whether we're going to get over it i'm saying let's say there's a big bad dragon at the front of the cave and it's yeah. the worst disease you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And it's so dangerous. Anybody who looks at it and it's like Goliath and you can't even touch it because it's so yeah. dangerous. All the other things you can say about impossible. Da, 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 da. And guess who's guess who gets to decide who's going to deal with it? Me. I get to decide whether I'm going to argue with Goliath, the giant virus who's so dangerous. It'll kill me the minute I look at it. Yeah. It's up to me to defend myself, my wife, and my family. All so right. it's not about the government telling me, oh, you better. Because when the, you know what the government does? G.T. Bynum, he restricts me. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, I also got some breaking news. We just had some people hauled out of the courthouse in Oklahoma City today, and I've got a short video. Tim Harper actually sent it to me. Let's you see. see it? When did this happen? Uh, this happened today. I don't have specific time, but uh, Tim Harper just sent it, and I'll uh, I'm going to go ahead and play that with you right now. Get the hell out of it. All right. <laughs> He's sharing it now. Please respect one another. Respect one another. There's Moto. Come in for the fight! 
Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to kind of recap us there? I mean, one guy. Yeah, so guy, what ended up happening. Was a bad guy. <laughs> uh, this is the Oklahoma County Jail Trust Board. Remember, we got rid of the sheriff finally, right? We got Tommy Johnson, young Republican black man who's, you know, a lot of hope in this guy. But the uh, the county commissioners decided they were going to do a power move and take the jail away from the sheriff's office and run it through a trust. Tulsa did the same thing when we built the David L. Moss uh, jail here. And we found out, you know what, let's give it back to the sheriff. We really don't want to run it through a trust. We but know what we're doing. nonetheless, hey, the Oklahoma County Jail was the deadliest jail in the United States for a long time. You know, in fact, Al Gerhardt tells us he had to do everything he could when they indicted him on the blackmail thing. They wanted to put him in that jail, and he was convinced he would die in that jail. Yeah. Unfortunately, the bondsman helped him to go through the Midwest City Police Department and bond out without ever getting locked up. But nonetheless, so they're having this meeting. Moto's been going to him. Moto has really been up on the Oklahoma County politics, the local level. So he's sitting in the front row and evidently some words are changed and somebody's offended. I don't know, I guess they claim he said the the, the, the killer N word. And uh, so they throw up a tantrum and stop the meeting. Now Moto got hauled out and then so did at least a couple other people that were having the scuffle with him. Um, I did some follow-up. Harper said, no, nobody got arrested, but they did get ejected from the meeting. So that's what we got. So, wow. yeah, good. just a little bit of Jerry Springer moment in tonight's show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, again, we, we get to decide. So somebody decides that the definition of emergency is if somebody uses the N-word. And then we got oh out. yeah, oh yeah. I mean, again, the, the the definition of emergency—that's something we have to. That's something we have to uh, yeah. definitely you, you deal with. You, freedom of speech does not apply when you use certain words and certain lists, I guess. But that's where we're going to, folks. And somebody's got to stand up and say, no, 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 no. I remember being told by my first grade teacher, "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will not hurt me." You know. Well, we got to run uh, like hell from this class uh, society that we Yeah, in. because who gets to make the list, Tom? G uh, G.T. Bynum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Him and Dr. So, Dart, sick back, maskless. Ah, talk Dr. about it. Dr. Dart, there we go. Now he's a mental My health God, expert. he's an unelected bureaucrat. You read, I've posted several times about the unelected bureaucrats that are that that the 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 bureaucracies put these unelected bureaucrats dr dart never faced an election but he's telling us whether we can have thanksgiving or not it's yeah. it's it's out of hand and and yeah. then he's getting his pretense of authority through bynum yeah who, who thinks that philanthropic behavior is somehow uh, politically representative yes neither jill biden or dr bruce dart are physicians they use the word doctor very loosely here yeah. all right D dr dart as we call him has a phd in administration nice okay phd you know so in administration administration uh, now i know somebody can explain it 
I'm simplifying it for you folks. He doesn't know a thing about uh, ear, nose, and throat or any other part of your body any more than the janitor does. Yeah, so if we're both there at the same time and uh, somebody needs a tracheotomy, I'm just as good a shot as he is. Oh, the dentist would be better than him. (laughs) Yes. So anyway, I've got two save the dates I wanted to finish the show with. I don't know what else you've got. Well, I All right. Two uh, more stories and Steagles, Citizen of the Year. Yes. Uh, so want to tell you something that's going on. Um, boy, I don't have it here. Let me uh, let me uh, pull this back off and get. Uh, so the OKGOP has an event. Here we go. Now I'm going to share it. Is this the rally? This is this Wednesday. At the Oklahoma State Capitol, our friends from Drive for 45, this is the Trump fans, the rabid rallying, nice. you know, you decorate your pickup truck with flags and drive all over town. That bunch. Come the back Oklahoma later to City pick up chapter. your flags. Yeah. Yeah, the Oklahoma City chapter. This time they're camping out at the Capitol at noon this Wednesday. Be there. That's yeah. date number one. Okay? Okay. Be a part of that. Another day to want to tell you about, especially for our friends in Oklahoma City, is there are a special event going on, and I'm pulling that up. This is a story I did uh, just last weekend. Judge delays hearing on emergency COVID rules. Now, this is the deal that Frank uh, Urbanic is taking the, the governor to court, and that got moved. This is the district court judge. Susan Stallings, and she's done a great job realizing that she's got to impose an injunction, a freeze on enforcing these rules that don't have a substantiated basis for them. Okay. So she said, okay, we're going to meet 1.30, uh, yeah, 1.30 p.m. Uh, well, it'll be this Friday, the 8th. Okay. In Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma District Court, Oklahoma County. So I wanted to let you know about those two things, so especially our friends over in Oklahoma City area who can make these things more easily. Be there. If you can't be there on Wednesday for the rally, be glued. Pop some popcorn, folks. This is going to be exciting. It's going to be educational. And this will be something to tell your grandkids about many years from now. Well, yeah, you know, I've got a uh, my neighbor um... – is a construction guy. He doesn't do politics. And you mm-hmm. know, so often I talk to him, oh, I do my politics. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, at one point in the discussion, the, the terms uh, capitalists and socialists came up. Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, well, I just thought capitalists were just out for the money. I mean, this yeah. is literally the problem we have. The yeah. public schools have yeah. so totally misinformed. Uh, not just ill-taught, but misinformed the children for 40 yeah. years that, that they don't even understand what capitalism means anymore. Yeah, of course. It's, it's, yeah. So I said to him, and his wife jumped on board, was saying, I said, you, you want all this is is you want to own the stuff that you own. He's like, well, yeah, okay, so you own. You, and you have the right to uh, uh, sell your hours of labor uh, and contract them out for what you decide, right? Yeah. So capitalism, <laughs> you want to own what you own yep. and have the rights to your, the, your fruits of your labor. Yes. Yep. 
Congratulations. Yep. This is it's just class warfare. Exactly. That's all they're doing. Yep. My yep. God, yes. And they still I still am arguing I I don't do anything till I get triggered. Somebody's like, da 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 Joel Olstein has a big house. I was like, You're class envy. I mean, my God. Yeah. Joel Olstein gives so much more than you ever thought of. Yeah. In, in his lifetime, you're, you're, they're all bent on the class envy. 600 mm. versus 2,000, who got more? You guys yeah. are a bunch of sheep. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they don't see their own greed as bad, but, boy, they want every preacher to take a vow of poverty, don't you know? As though Joel Olstein uh, forces you to pay taxes. My yeah. God, it's all it's all charity instead of elemosinary. Where's Oldham when you need him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We never did officially acknowledge our Citizen of the Year for last year. Can I do it? Do it. All right. We're going to do it right now. And, folks, our good friend, Frank Urbanic, is our Citizen of the Year for 2020. And I want to say, Civil Rights Attorney Frank Urbanic, uh, for his efforts to hold state and local government to respect and defend the federal and state constitutions in their official duties. In a year like none other, 2020 is a memory we're all destined to never forget, sadly. But in times of trial, peril, and tyranny, those reminders of our civilization's founding principles are especially to be valued. And those who rise up to champion the cause of individual liberty, societal virtue, and advancement of prosperity, they are to be esteemed. Uh, so I'm saying, Frank Urbanic, you're the man. And I gave honorable mention to two great men, Timothy Harper and Rick Hubbard, for their right. work to develop a, a sound policy amongst law enforcement regarding our Second Amendment rights. Yeah. Nice job, boys. Here we go. So that's that's our report. Now I need to apologize to everybody. I really wanted Chase Teagle have time to get in on this, but I talked too much during this. Well, I rushed him out. We stumbled in the beginning. I was committed to the hard break. We can have him back on. We can have yeah. him back on. And we will. We need to. In fact, is Tom, I'd like to leave it to our listeners. If there's any special guests we brought in that you really appreciate and want him back. Please send us a note. Put it put it as a comment on this video. We'd like to hear. We, we're working out some things. Tom, I know you're not ready to announce this, but we're looking at bringing in guests a lot more regularly. Not we're, trying right, to, right? we're trying to bring in uh, uh, more and more interaction from the people who are watching, et cetera. But we're trying to um, uh, uh, hone out our delivery here of conservative discussion on 3D politics with yeah. David Van, David Oldham and uh bringing all that stuff to you so yeah, yeah uh way to go these guys and you know one of the things i noticed when i argued with the city council back in 95 uh there were several times when they had me up on the ropes and they really pushed me through the grinder and boy that lasted five minutes of oh yeah you're so stupid but when you win against government it goes like this all right, next, drive through, please. You know, like, yeah. So, so when Frank Urbanic wins against the governor, it's like, next, okay, no. Yeah. Nobody ever, there's no hoopla, no, nothing ever sounds off. You don't get a winning sound or anything. Government yeah. just pushes you under and, and pushes you back. So, yeah. but Frank Urbanic, I mean, literally adjusting the governor's behavior. And I can see now, after uh, uh, talking uh, today with Jay Stiegel, I can see a more clear understanding of why the governor even might have been confused on which 
you know, authority to operate under because the wording is is not clear and the word emergency is not defined properly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and look, you know, the governor himself says, hey, look, I'm getting new uh, chief legal counsel for the governor's office now. And it was like immediate. So you can't say it's... You can't say it's because of the urbanic lawsuit, but you can't say it isn't either. And be watching for a special session. Could come as early as this week. There's a couple different issues. There's this whole health emergency thing. How much does the governor want to push it? Or how much does he say, you know what, we just need to back off on all this stuff. We're going to be okay without all these extra measures. And the other thing is, are we going to allow for video conference, Zoom meeting, like you and I are having right now, Tom, with all the listeners? Do we want to have municipal uh, government agency meetings to continue to do this? Because right now we sunsetted the special provision that we allowed last year for this. So that's coming up as well. That may go to special session. Very interesting. Well, I mean, I've already raged as much as I can on one evening against Bynum. We ran uh, Jay Stiegel through, thank goodness for him, House of Rep. Also, Frank Urbanic, we've honored him. Oldham, we brought in his video. Uh, Anything else before we get out of here? Van. Uh, Just be alert. It's going to be big on Wednesday. I I can't even predict it, but it's going to be massive. You're going to see over a million people swarming the U.S. Capitol. Just understand, week. yeah. And if we're a if you're a conservative capitalist and you want to privately own things, um, you you are the underdog. You're already yep. beat. The Occupy Wall Street uh, and uh, the the negative socialists have already got their people in the street. Yep. Uh, so the idea that you're going to come together and 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 rally and rush the streets they've already got their soldiers there we are already under the gun this isn't an equal fight we're already losing we're gonna have to really push it that's why i thank oldham for being out there in person on the front lines 3d politics right back here uh to um keep the home fires burning as it is Here we go again, 3D Politics, one more week in the books. Tommy McKay, your fine host, and David Van, creator, editor of SoonerPolitics.org, expert on Oklahoma State Government, professional advocate for mental health care, state committeeman for Tulsa County GOP. Next week, we hope to have back David Oldham, the founder and scholar at Constitutional Grounds, Also, the political leader, educational speaker, former state of Oklahoma elector, United States Electoral College, that is David Oldham. I am Tommy McKay, your fine host here, 3D Politics. (laughs) Every Monday night, I'm going to send you away, David. There you go. There he goes. There I go. We'll see you guys next week.